Um, I've entitled this message The Tone of Prayer because prayer is such an important uh, thing. It's such an important vision that we have here at Yeshua Tzion. I'm going to open with praying, by the way. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We pray, Lord, that the lessons that we've learned through prayer would be things that we can take and learn to engage in more fully. You've given us here at Yeshua Tzion a specific vision of how to pray and how to come into your presence with thanksgiving and with joy. And so we pray, Lord, that as I speak about this, that people's hearts would be turned more fully to you, that they would catch this vision of how we should pray and that they would more fully engage in the ministry of intercession and prayer. And Lord, we want to know your victory that comes through that. Because when we know your victory, we are convinced that prayer truly works. And we give you all glory and honor in Yeshua's name. Amen. So, there's, um, I don't know if anyone was blessed by uh, the tones we had coming out of the sound system today. There were some unpleasant ones at the beginning of the service, and uh, I, you know, tone is something that comes about by pitch and by volume and inflection. So there's all kinds of characteristics that tone can sometimes play. My favorite tone, um, specifically, is when my mother would say, "I hear that tone you're using with me." And my mother's blind, so she would. She always made it a point of letting us know when we were using that tone. And it'd be like, don't use that tone when you apologize to your brother. You use a different tone that you really mean it. And that, so tone plays an important part. Tone has many facets. My, like I said, one of my favorite tones is the way we look at tone today, how it, how it sometimes is a momentum shifter in, in both entertainment and in when we look in the movies or in, in books or even in sporting events. You know, you, you tune into a Rockies game and in the third inning they've given up 10 runs. And it's like, well, that set the tone for this game. Or many of us remember the Super Bowl from a few years ago and the tone by which that started in which they fumbled the ball quite early and it plagued them for the rest of the game. Their, their problems and their inabilities to get things done. So tone can sometimes really set a mood for how, what we do and how we do it. And it's important that we learn tone has so many facets and qualities because it cannot just be about how we use our voice or how we hear things, but it's also important that we see tone in terms of what we are ethically. We can, we can set a tone, we can set a style with who we are by our life. We can set a tone by the mood we present to people. Are we always depressed? Are we always whiny? You know, do we come looking? And other times we can make an effective tone among people by encouraging them and saying, I know you're going through some rough stuff, but we love you and God loves you. And that's kind of sometimes what we sometimes need is those, those kind of tones to distinguish what's going on in our life and how we get back to, in a sense, understanding how important tone is. In the text today, we 
see all kinds of things about prayer. And I picked this text because I felt it shows part of the vision that we need with prayer. It's not enough that you pray, but a lot of times you need to understand the vision and the purpose behind prayer. I know that people look at today and we're very much in like the nuclear world of me and God, how God does stuff with me and how God's going to bring about blessings for my life. But many times we have to see a bigger picture when it comes to prayer. Part of that picture is that prayer, as was said, it's to be something earnest. It's something that we continually persist in and give ourselves to. And I like the way Messiah said it because he had a different way of, of emphasizing how prayer was to come about when he said, but keep asking, keep asking, and it shall be given to you. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened. Keep seeking, and you'll find. And that's the same attitude that prayer is to happen with us as we give ourselves into continuous, continual prayer. God opens doors. God does things. I think about people that told me when I came to salvation how many years they spent praying for me. How much that praying for me was an important part of that. And that's kind of our attitude as well is that God doesn't mind it if you nag him. He loves it. He wants you to nag him and he wants you to do it continually. Part of the also part of it is our vision is not just continuing and praying often, but is also learning to be watchful in our prayer and it said in the text, vigilant, which was important because we have to be knowing that things are coming down the pike that are going to affect us. We, have, we live in a crazy world. But vigilance implies to mean is, is that you need to be willing to listen up and look down the road for what might be coming towards you. That's the kind of vigilance that, that we have, like watchmen on a wall, people waiting and seeing and hearing. And part of that vision that we have, too, when we pray as a community, we want people to learn the underst and understand that it's just as important that you learn to listen for the Spirit. When you pray, it's not just a monologue that you pray and you pray and you pour out your heart. That's a big part of it. But it's also learning to stop and listen, hear what other people are saying, and hear what is the Spirit saying to you. Because God wants to talk to us also during our prayer time. The third aspect that's in the first verse is the aspect of thanksgiving and worship. It's, it's the idea that we bless God for what has taken place. And we had that um, in our announcement time, obviously. And the point is, is that we want to come boldly into God's throne room. But we also have to understand that it is a throne room. It's a room where our king sits and we want to be reverent. We want to give him the proper worship he deserves. We want to acknowledge who he is and what he's doing. That's so much an important part of our 
giving him thanks and learning of who he is and what he's done. And we always have to remember that his throne is a holy throne. And we're not a holy people. And so we always have to remember that as we come to worship him, we need his cleansing. We need his, his changing in us. In the third verse, it talked about that Paul was asking that specifically that we would have the ability to have, um, in a sense, an urgency. There's an urgency to prayer and that we need to ask that God would open doors for the message. And the word there that also came forth is the understanding of the mystery. God wants people to understand who he is. And it is, it's a mystery. It's much of a mystery that we don't understand. Um, God has to be the one that reveals it to people. And the way he reveals things to you might be different than how he reveals things to someone else. And so the mystery that God wants us to see is his son. It's simply that, that God wants us to understand that his son is united with us. And I always think of the way Peter said it in Matthew chapter 16, where he said, Yeshua said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because it's not been human beings that have revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. He's the one that's revealed this to you. And Paul kind of touches on this a couple times in Colossians, knowing that the mystery the secret that God is trying to show to us is that we're connected to his son. We have this secret truth that is in us, that's teaching us who the Messiah is. If we're willing to let Messiah rule in our hearts and let Messiah's peace come into our life. And it's not, it's not easy. In fact, it's impossible to do until we learn to submit our lives to him and, and give ourselves over to him. And that's why it's so important that we pray for the message to come forth. And it's a, it's, it's a message that is kind of for other people. We have to understand that it's a message that God wants to bring about to people inside, people outside, and people kind of in between as well. To those outside, he wants them to understand salvation. Yeshua even prayed this in John 17, where he says, um, I'm not praying just for these, but I'm also praying for those that you will send after, that will come to faith through their word. And that's kind of what salvation is all about. The other people that are to be part of the mishpacha, part of the family. And that's why we rejoice when one does come to the Lord. It's such an awesome thing to praise him for. Secondly, we also need to understand the ministry of reconciliation. Now, on some ways you might say, well, isn't that the same as salvation? And it is in one way and it isn't in another way. Because reconciliation comes about because there's a breach. Sometimes people aren't walking with him. Sometimes people haven't understood that God has forgiven them. Sometimes people haven't been fully cleansed from the sin in their life. And that's where we need to pray that God would truly bring about the gap, that he would 
bridge the gap that's there and bring them fully back to him, whatever that looks like. It doesn't mean that that person is less or that person is someone that we reject, but we want to see the best for that person. And the third aspect for those that are within us is the idea of unity. In a community, we have to have unity. It's so important that as we grow together, we get to different points, and everybody's at different points on the road. And it is important that we're gracious to those that are at one point on the road and, and also forgiving of those that are at one point on the road because a lot of times we're like, you need to be over here. And if you don't get here, then I'm not going to put up with you anymore. And it's something that is not of the Lord. The Lord has abundant mercy, and he puts up with people. He wants us to be fitted and joined together that we know how to grow up and be mature in him. And that's what unity is all about. That's why we talk about membership. That's why we talk about different aspects of what a community is to look like. And I use this opportunity to say, commercial time, we are teaching membership right now. If something you're interested in, if you want to be part of our family and understand what is our vision all the way through, not just with prayer, but what, what are our covenant values here as a community? That's something you can learn if you come Wednesdays nights and attend the vision membership class. We'll, we'll be imparting those values to you so that you understand them. And the fact is, there's many of our folks, for whatever reason, you know, it's not necessarily say, let's point a finger at this person or point a finger at that person. You know, R2-D2 and C-3PO, they're just not always on the right page. And the fact is, it's only as we learn to grow together and pray for each other that people can get on the right page, that people's lives get turned around and they see. So, like I said, three points back to the idea of this message needing to come forth. Those that are outside for salvation, those that need reconciliation, maybe they're in a different area of life and they haven't come fully in to Messiah's plan. And then those that are with us that need to be fully united in our vision, fully united in being able to walk fully with us. Now, in verses 4 through 6, Paul talks about an important aspect of that. How do we show our lives when we're among the outsiders? And there's two basic points he wants us to look at. One is what we say, and the other is what we do. Because I've always learned that actions speak louder than words. doesn't matter what I say or what I think or what I believe, it's really what I'm acting like that really matters. And actions are so important. And so Paul encourages people to walk wisely in the world. Yeshua put it this way, that when you walk among those outside, that you're going among sheep. It's like, going, it's like being sheep among wolves and that you should learn to be as wise as a snake and as harmless as a dove. And it's so important that we need to have that gentle side of being very gentle and harmless to people, but also being wise of knowing what people can do and what people are about. And it's really important how we 
act, how we hold ourselves, how we show our character and integrity. And sometimes, many times, it's not the, you know, I've always heard it put like this. Remember, be a witness and use words if you get to. Because sometimes you'll never get to open your mouth, but people will watch you and they'll know who you are by what you do. Now, Kelly read for us today from the text that let your, your speech, let your conversation be seasoned with salt. And different translations, uh, if you read the complete Jewish Bible, it's a little different because they don't even use the word salt or seasoning in there. And you're thinking, boy, what happened to the text here? Because it's definitely in the Greek. And the point is, is not to emphasize seasoning or to emphasize salt, but it's that our conversations have to be stimulating to people. Um, We don't have to be like the world to the point that we're entertaining people and giving people a shtick or giving people a, a, a sales pitch that gets them to accept Yeshua. But it's more the idea that our conversation has to be stimulating on some level to them. And that's why salt is a good object lesson, because if you use too much salt, you know, it turns people off. They don't want to hear what you have to say. If you're if you're too much using Christian or Messianic ease, because people don't know what those words mean. People don't know who you're talking about or what you're talking about and especially if we come and we look at them and have a judgmental spirit that says you know you're not where i'm at and so i really don't want anything to do with you and we have to be very careful of being too salty but on the other hand we want to be salty enough because we want people to know what's taking place in our life and what the lord has done for us And so I like the idea of maybe using a salt substitute, maybe something people weren't expecting to get, you know. It's something that you're thinking, you know, this guy must think this way because he's a believer, or, you know, this guy is going to treat me this way because he's a believer. And then you turn around and you show him something different. It's like grabbing the salt substitute. You're like, boy, this tastes really good. I didn't think this would be that great. And that's kind of what we have to do as the Spirit leads us is learn to surprise people by who we are instead of them thinking they know who we are, kind of surprising them. Finally, Paul concludes in our text by talking about 10 different people, and we won't look at all 10, but it, you know, 10 people coming together is a minion that, that, that we hear in Jewish thinking. But eight of these people served Paul And many of them you probably know or don't. If you are a good student of the word, you probably know many of them, if not most of them. There's Mark and Luke. I hope everyone knows them. They kind of have two whole books about them. And and then Onesimus, uh, he's got a whole book about him as well called Philemon, if you didn't know. He's mentioned here as well. Then we have Demas, and Demas is kind of someone who served Paul for a time, and then later on, he left Paul. So it's kind of a sad story. And then there's Aristarchus and uh, Yeshua, who was known as Justice. He had a pseudonym, in a sense. And so 
but the two people I want to focus on specifically are Tychicus, who was there to encourage, an encourager, which I think a lot of times we have to do. And part of that understanding is who he was. Um, in the Greek, it's the same word for the Holy Spirit as the comforter, uh, parakleuo, if I'm saying that right. He was someone who not only was an encourager, but a comforter. And the way he comforted was with the words he brought, bringing the news about what was taking place with, with Paul. Kind of like um, our own little Dana who brought the, and Debbie who brought the uh, update about the outreach, what God was doing as, as because of the gospel today. That in a sense, these people were, this is what was happening. And these words to were into, used to be an encouragement to us so that we will want to not only get a hold of that, but catch fire for it as well. You know, it's not enough sometimes that we know something, but it's what we do with what we know. And so sometimes God brings information our way because he has a plan for it. And I really like Epaphras, the other, the other person that ministered to Paul. He's got a very interesting... Um, he labors fervently. Um, the word is, is agonismo, agonismo, if I'm saying that right, and in the Greek. And it's translated agonize in some portions. And that just doesn't seem to really capture the spirit of who this character was, Epaphras. He was a guy who not only labored in prayer, but he fought in prayer. He strove in prayer. He saw it as like a, a fight or a competition, something that you would wrestle with. And I really like that about Epaphras because that's sometimes how we have to be with prayer. We have to wrestle with God about certain things, certain things we're struggling about, certain things we're agonizing over. We've got to have that same idea. In fact, we here at Ishuatzion, we try to encourage people to say, Let's keep praying for this until we feel like the Spirit said, that's enough. But keep praying here. Keep praying here. Keep staying on it. And one person kind of takes the baton and passes it to another person. And another person takes the baton. And we keep praying on one particular topic or one particular need until we see a breakthrough. And it's kind of like the attitude Jacob had, saying, you know what? I'm not going to let you go till you bless me, Lord. I'm not going to let go of you until I see your blessing come about. So a lot of these things we see in prayer that we've been talking about this morning, the, the need for unity, the need for perseverance, for salvation, for reconciliation, all the different things I've touched on, being watchful or ready to be listening in prayer instead of just saying, I've got my things to say. Lord, you're just going to listen but also being ready to listen and also learning to worship him through prayer. All of these things are to be part of our prayer life. And it's not something I think we can always teach. It's something that you sometimes catch like a bad cold maybe, you know. Hopefully not like that, but I'm just saying you catch hold of something as you see it done. And, and we have times of prayer here, and we encourage people. I know it's difficult to come Wednesday evening, and I know it's difficult to come Shabbat morning. 
Make it the Lord's problem. Make it the Lord's problem. The Lord wants to do things as you pray. But the most important thing is both Epaphras and Tychicus, I think, understood that God was going to give them victory through prayer. And that's something we all need to look at and say, Lord, we believe you're going to give us victory through our prayers. We know things are going to change. We know things are going to be transformed because we've spent time in your presence. And so it's really important that we understand, even if, and and this is the one thing I feel very convicted about, is the one thing that sometimes changes is you. Maybe you're the one that needs to change because of the prayer. Not because of something you did or something, but maybe as you pray and worship before the Lord, the Lord does something in your life and he changes you. And that's what it really means when I sometimes think about it when it says the most common prayer about Yeshua let your kingdom come and your will be done. It's, it's learning to kind of say, Lord, I want you to rule my life. I want to submit more fully to you and give you more of myself. And it's not necessarily that I'm going to lose, but it's what I'm going to win because I've given more of myself to you. So, Father, we pray and we thank you for this message this morning. I pray that we would learn these principles of prayer, of persisting in prayer, learning to listen to you in prayer, learning to worship you, learning to pray for our community, Lord, for for those three things, salvation, reconciliation, and unity. We pray too, Lord, that we would learn to, to not let you go until you bless us, Lord, to be like Jacob wrestling with you through our prayers. We just ask that you would take this time and that you would help us to see more of who you are through the ministry of prayer and intercession. And we give you all glory and honor in the name of Yeshua. Amen.